Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, I'm Chris Stone, executive producer at The New Statesman. We're bringing you something new on the podcast today, a pilot of a new show we're working on with our political editor, Andrew Marr. Before we make this a regular feature on The New Statesman podcast, we'd really value some feedback from you, our listeners. If you enjoy this episode or have any thoughts you'd like to share, please get in touch by emailing podcasts at newstatesman.co.uk. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can type a reply below the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let's talk about the cloud of unknowing, the subject of veracity, of no longer being able to depend on what you see and you hear has become particularly urgent. This week, I want to talk about the the texture, the atmosphere in which we do our politics at the moment, particularly in the context of the Gaza-Israel crisis. And I want to bring together two different things. One is the what people call conspiracy theories, things like the Great Replacement Theory. There is a plot to remove white people from Europe and replace them by black and brown-skinned people, particularly Muslims. Et l'effondrement de notre école et celle du grand remplacement avec l'islamisation de la France, l'immigration de masse et l'insécurité permanente. Abbiamo visto in Italia 500.000 immigrati in tre anni. È un'invasione pianificata e Instead, we continue to immorally import cheap foreign labor. Or there is the Great Reset, which is a paranoid theory about the World Economic Forum and various generally Jewish cabals at the top of a global government trying to impose world government on the rest of us and wipe out billions of people while they do so. Senator Roberts. Thank you. The plan of the Great Reset is that you will die with nothing. To pull off this evil plan, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum will need to take more than just material possessions. These are, forgive my language, batshit crazy ideas. They're part of the QAnon family of conspiracy theories being pushed around the world, initially from America, but all over the place. And a remarkably large number of people, including in this country, actually believe them. I believe that we're going through a tyranny as bad as Hitler. Germany. I'm standing up for my child's future and all the kids' future. According to a poll, some 32% of people believe that the Great Replacement Theory is true, and similar numbers, the Great Reset Theory, and other fantasies of a globalized world government, either fascist or Stalinist or corporatist, depending on your prejudice. 
So that's one set of problems that we have. And as I say, I think it is a bit wider than many realise. People like me spend their lives looking at politics through the prism of Westminster and legislation and party conferences and debates about GDP and growth and all of that. But beyond my world, there's an entire other world of people who genuinely believe in a globalist government, in huge conspiracies in the clouds somewhere up there. And they go as far as kind of shape-shifting lizards and all of that through to the very, very oldest conspiracy of all, which is the Jews are behind everything. So that is one area I think we need to kind of confront and think about more. But the other area which comes alongside it, I think in a very malign and dangerous way, is the use of AI and other techniques to fake stuff. I was sent this week a very vivid film of a burning car in the street, perhaps from Lebanon or Israel. The entire thing was created by AI. It never happened. Quite recently, there was a very, very convincing little piece of audio about Keir Starmer losing his temper and swearing at his staffers. The fucking tablet. Fuck's sake. I literally told you, didn't I? Fuck's sake. Never happened. A complete fake. I think quite soon we're going to ask ourselves whether we can believe anything that we see or read, either on the internet or indeed in the mainstream media. So much can be faked so effectively, and we're seeing this in particular around the Israel-Gaza conflict. Take the example, who destroyed that hospital, who caused the slaughter of that hospital in Gaza? Reports of an Israeli airstrike on a hospital in central Gaza. This is clearly a war crime. I think everything points towards it being Israel. Hamas and Islamic Jihad have so far offered little evidence to back their claims that Israel fired the missile at the hospital that night. And there's an enormously complex argument going on around blast patterns, the sound signatures of missiles and all the rest of it. Huge numbers of experts pouring over uh, video footage and sound footage. And in the middle of all of that, yet more fakery uh, conversations spliced together and pushed out into the internet. And I conclude at the moment that an ordinary person, even somebody working quite hard, somebody with a certain amount of intelligence and even understanding or expertise in this area, has no idea of the truth. And I think this is an emblem of what we're going through at the moment. So much of what we see, the phosphorus attacks, uh, blast in one hospital, another, turn out to be filmed from another time, edited or changed to convince us. So we have two things. We have conspiracy theories and we have a world in which we can't trust the facts that we are meant to be debating. And put the two together and the entire business of doing normal democratic conversational politics becomes almost impossible. If you can't believe the basic facts, the reality of the world around you that you are discussing with other people, and if you are discussing with other people conspiracy theories that are so huge and grotesque and widely believed there is almost no way in or out of them, then what we have in front of us is a cloud of unreason or you might say, a cloud of unknowing. That was a phrase which comes from the 1300s, probably from a Leicestershire priest who wrote a spiritual guide to the cloud of unknowing, and he said we needed a privation or a lack of knowing in order to approach God. It's a kind of mystical belief, very, very potent at the time. And in the same way, I think we have a privation of knowing, a lack of knowing, a lack of understanding, and a lack of ordinary political connectivity 
in our conversation. And this is extremely concerning, particularly at the time when we have this enormous global threat of a, a full-scale Middle Eastern war. So a couple of obvious questions about all of this. Why now? Why is this particular danger to our democratic discourse happening right now? And I think the reasons are sort of geopolitical and economic. I think that over the last decade or so, the West, and in particular Western middle classes and Western working classes, have seen their societies, technological and industrial power, just hoovered away and sucked over to China and other parts of the Eastern world. Um, we no longer have the, the jobs, we no longer have the expertise, we no longer have the authority as societies that we used to have even a few years ago. And that is quite naturally producing an atmosphere of great uh, fear and uncertainty, which I think is reflected in the conspiracy theories. Because if you believe there's a great big conspiracy responsible for everything going wrong in your world, then that is in a way quite reassuring. It's, it's a bit like a kind of superhero film. If there's a conspiracy, there are baddies and there are goodies, and the goodies and the baddies can fight, and maybe the goodies will win. And if you look at the QAnon conspiracy around Trumpian America, that's very much what it's about. It really feels like some kind of Marvel comic strip. I could do this all day. So it's a sense of the dislocation of Western elites and Western working class groups uh, confronted with a world in which they're losing heft and losing power and trying to make sense of it. And then you say, well, that's all very well, old Ma, but what would you do about it? What is the answer? And in many ways, old Ma says, well, the answer is the world we are leaving, the so-called mainstream media. I mean, you would expect me to say this. I've spent most of my life working in the mainstream media, but all my life... I have been surrounded by, if you like, gatekeepers, sivers, graders, analysts. I've had the fact-checkers, I've had editors, I've had sub-editors, always looking at the information coming in to me, uh, asking for double-checking, asking me to explain exactly where it comes from, and then analysing what I do with it and what I say about it. There's a whole intermediate class, the in-betweeners, if you like, whose job was to ensure that absolute, unadulterated bullshit didn't keep erupting on your television screens or your phones or whatever you were reading. And that world has basically been not sideways by the so-called social media, new media world. And so we are moving from a world in which all that pruning, that assessing, that fine-checking, that grading is being replaced by an instantaneous, unmediated, no consequences, very fast form of self-publishing in the new media. And that, I think, is a profound danger. And the way I'm talking, you might think I'm talking about young people not getting it. And that is absolutely not the case because there's a big study by Princeton University in the States which looked at people who are very ready to pass on, frankly, sort of bullshit conspiracy theory ideas. And the vast majority of them are over 65. So this is something that particularly affects people who vote because we know older people do vote who are sitting in front of their computers and passing on really, really dangerous and nonsensical ideas right the way through our democracies. I think to combat this, we need politicians who speak much more clearly and much more assertively about this threat 
to our democratic conversation, who call out and describe explicitly what is happening to our societies as they lose heft, as they lose power, who don't carry on pretending that things are as they were. In other words, reflect the world to us as it really is. We need that. And we need to rely even more heavily on those people who are still doing the fact-checking and on whom we can depend. And I'm thinking about people like BBC Verify. I'm thinking particularly about the organisation Bellingcat, which has done so much incredibly useful work assessing different kinds of photographic evidence and film to call out what is not true. And so this is, in a sense, a slightly despairing uh, cry for help in the middle of the media landscape as it is right now. I do fear we are almost at the position quite soon, particularly around the Gaza-Israel issue, where ordinary, responsible, democratic, progressive political conversation is about to be doused by the cloud of unknowing. Thanks for listening to The New Statesman. You can read more from Andrew Marr on the New Statesman website, and you can watch a new video from him every week on the New Statesman's YouTube channel. Follow the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode or have any thoughts you'd like to share, please get in touch by emailing podcasts at newstatesman.co.uk. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can just scroll down and leave a reply. This episode was edited by Grace Braddock and Catherine Hughes, and the executive producer is Chris Stone.